This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. This episode of the Grace Enough podcast is brought to you by King Folk Co., Kingfolk is a faith-based small business that has products for kingdom-minded folks. With a fun, colorful selection of personalized Bibles, coordinating Bible tabs, Bible bags and covers, as well as bracelets, stickers, keychains, and more, Kingfolk makes it easy for you to carry your faith with you wherever you go. And they produce most of their products in-house with their printing company. Grace Enough listeners, you can take 10% off at kingfolkco.com with the code GRACE. That's 10% off at kingfolkco.com with the code GRACE. And follow Kingfolk Co. on Instagram where they drop sneak peeks of their newest products and share behind the scenes of designing new products. Well, today's episode is a special one. I sit down with pastor, speaker, and best-selling author, Max Lucado. And while we discuss prioritizing people over production in ministry and his unique relationship with Oak Hills Church, the church where he has served as pastor for almost four decades, it was his answer to this question that got me all choked up. If you had one of your books that outlasted all the others, which one would you choose and why? It might just cause you to choke up too. Good morning, Max, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Oh, good morning to you. Good morning to you. I hope you're doing well. We are. I I have to start off this conversation because one of my friends said, if I could ask Max anything, I would say, how's Hermie doing? (laughs) And she said, my kids loved Hermie so much as a kid. That's what I would want to know. So maybe we should Hermie. start that way. That was a great season. Yeah. We had about 10 years worth of regular Hermie books, Hermie videos. Hermie, for the moment, is uh, on sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, though. In the publishing world and in the, the TV world, they're never really on sabbatical because they just, you know, people get to that's enjoy right. them all that's the time. Right. So that's right. I told my kids this morning, I said, so you don't really realize who Max Licato is, but you know the book, You Are Special, that we read often? And then that was the light bulb yeah, that went off for them. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's who it is because they'll ask me often. We, I am still doing uh, a lot of children's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a series. Uh, I, I wrote a book last year called Where Did My Giggle Go? Yep. And we're so we're going to start a series of that, like Where Did My Happy Go? Where Did My Thank You Go? You know, a whole series like that. And then uh, many, many, many years ago, I wrote a book called Just In Case You Ever Wonder. Mm-hmm. And it's been a real well-received book. And so I've, I've written a new one for next year it just in case you're ever alone and it will have a whole series of just in case you are you know these these stories that you can share with your kids depending on the circumstance yeah and just their age and where they're at but i'm not doing any hermy right now (laughs) (laughs) i'll make sure i let cammy know okay 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 (laughs) 
Well, let's start with a little bit more of a serious question. You have pastored the same church for decades. And so share every, share with everybody a little bit of how long have you pastored there? Mm-hmm. I know your role has changed a little mm-hmm. bit. And what has really helped sustain you mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. challenging times? I, I came to Oak Hills Church in 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in San Antonio, Texas. I was at that time uh, 33 years old, and my wife wow. and I had just finished five years in, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. While we were in, we moved to Rio thinking it would be a long term, maybe mm-hmm. a lifetime assignment. But in uh, five years is still a significant amount of time. That's where two of our three kids were born. And uh, we loved Rio. But my father passed away while I was in Brazil. And also I began writing books. Mm-hmm. And so those two things, uh, I wanted to be close to my mom. And I felt divided between the writing in English and the preaching and ministry in Portuguese. Mm. So we, we heard about this church in San Antonio through a friend uh, who was friends with the pastor that, who, who preceded me. Uh, and the pastor who preceded me uh, was going to teach at a college, and a university. And so they were looking for a pastor. And, and so I don't know really what made my friend think I would be a good fit because <laughs> I had never been a pastor before Amber, I mean, except in Brazil. So I I put, I wrote a a resume, I sent it to the folks at the church. And uh, this denomination is, the churches are autonomous. So you go directly to the church with the the resume. And uh, they invited Dean, my wife and I to to come, uh, my wife and me to come up to uh, the States for an interview and uh, offered us a position. So that was a, a, a wonder. We were so happy. It felt just right. Yeah. And it, it has been a terrific journey. It mm-hmm. has been. So 88, uh, I guess I'm in my 30, what, to do the math on that, but uh, 34th year, I think, awesome. at the church. I am in, a, I, I'm, I'm on my, kind of on my way out. I'm 67. I am what we call a teaching pastor. So that means I preach. I I preach about 20 times a year, but that's it. That's it. I'm not over any staff. I don't raise any money. I'm not building any buildings. I don't make any, I'm not even in on the big decisions. I don't serve on the leadership team. You're in the fun part. (laughs) I'm in the fun part. I really am. So it is a happy season and, and I love, uh, I, I love the church. I'll close answer bring this answer to a close with this. I have a dear friend who's in heaven now, but he served at the same church for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And in his final Sunday, he told the church, he said, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of church work, there are many ups and downs. He said, but, but when you finish, you look back and all you see are the mountain peaks. Mm-hmm. He said, it's kind of like looking at the mountain range of the Rockies from the distance. And all you see are the high points. Wow. You know, you know that uh, there are low points, but you can't see them. Mm-hmm. He said, that's how I feel as I look back over my 40 years. He said, all I see are the high points. Wow. And that I think I feel the same. I know there were some tough times. I mean, right. there really were. I made people, I upset people and I got upset with people. We had people leave the church. Uh, we had people try to change the church. I tried to change the church. So it, it's, <laughs> I, you know, 
there, there were messy, messy times, but right now I'm at that point. I'll look back and really, I just see the high points right? and I'm, and I'm very, very thankful. I think that's a great perspective because I think sometimes that's, it, it's similar with parenting. It's similar yeah. with marriage. If you mm -hmm. make it to a certain place, yeah. um, it is, I mean, it's easier to reminisce on mm -hmm. so many of the high points throughout, but man, when you are in the trenches, yeah. It sometimes feel like, it's, am I ever going to get there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to encourage pastors. It's such, it is a hard work, but it is a holy work. It is truly a holy work. Yeah. Uh, to think, to th here's the one thing that I never got over. I never got over the fact, Amber, that people were willing to give me 30 minutes out of their time mm. every day, every Sunday, to get my opinion on a scripture. Just that, that simple thought that these people are coming here because they're give what, why would they do that? Why am I any smarter than they are? And so that was always a, a uh, incredibility. I, yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't quite get my mind around that. And I right. still appreciate it. Well, and that brings me to a question. So a dear, dear friend of ours, Josh Kleinfeld, he's a pastor at a church and you know, he, I almost said, Josh, would you like to be the one to sit down with Max? Because I asked him what he would ask you. And I mean, he sent us a list a mile long, <laughs> you know, encouraging things, hard things, all of it. Yeah. But one thing he asked that I thought would be such an encouragement to people in ministry today is we are in this, you know, very secular, very consumeristic age. Yeah. How do you make sure now and how have you made sure in the past that you really prioritize people over um, production and profit? Yeah. How, how do you differentiate between uh, building an audience and building a church? Mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do you? How, Tell us. And how, <laughs> and how do you resist the temptation to, to, to just tickle people's ears and attract a crowd mm. as opposed to really teach the truth? Uh, that is a hard one. You know, you really have to, you really have to fight that impulse to measure success by numbers. You just have to, okay. I don't know. I don't know a quick and easy way to do so. I really don't. And I, I tell you, I'm the, I, I've struggled with it. Uh, I've, you know, when attendance is down, I feel down when mm -hmm. attendance is up, I would feel proud. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, but that is just from the devil. It's just all there is yeah. to it. It's just not the way the Lord measures his church. Mm. Uh, the truth of the master of the matter is uh, Jesus said, do any of you want to leave? And most of them left, you know, when, on that time when, and Peter stayed and said, well, you've got the words of eternal life. And mm. so, so the truth of the matter is you've got to just try do your, dead level best to pray into every sermon and decision and realize that your job is not to build a large church. Mm. It's really not. Uh, I think we might be coming out of that a bit. I was in the mega church era. Uh, we, you know, mega churches really exploded in yes. the eighties and nineties. And that's the era that I was in, you know, yeah. beginning ministry. I, I think we might be a little less, infatuated with that i think yeah you all know i love kaleidoscope kids bibles kaleidoscope's vision is really cool they help kids and parents 
bridge the gap between storybook Bibles and adult translations. Kind of like the next step after the Jesus Storybook Bible. Kaleidoscope retells every book of the Bible in beautifully designed single volumes with the elementary age kid in mind. Our family has their books and I am extremely grateful for them. And get this, they've partnered with Will Kastner of Crew and Company on their spring volume, Finally Free, The Story of Exodus. How cool is that? Check them out at readkaleidoscope.com where they have books, coloring books, scripture memory cards, journals, and more. Everything you need for your child's journey of discipleship. Grace Enough listeners, you can take 10% off at readkaleidoscope.com with the code GRACE. Also, for you social people, find them on Instagram at readkaleidoscope to learn more. Kaleidoscope, the new kid in kids' Bibles. That reminds me of something that I read that, you know, you start writing every sermon and I may get this a little bit wrong, but, you know, what can I say today that will be true or that they will still, you know, pay attention to, I guess, on Monday? Yeah, yeah. And so flesh that out a little bit. Like, what does that process look like? Well, you ask great questions, Amber. You do a great job. That one was my own. (laughs) That is a great one. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good uh, I've got two or three ideas when I preach. One of them is I preach like there's a, a broken heart on every pew. Mm. That's an old Charles Spurgeon statement. And and that's true. There is a broken heart, even though we don't have pews, we have chairs, but Amen. <laughs> yeah, but you preach like there's a broken heart on every, in every row, but you do ask yourself the question, what can I give them on Sunday that will still make sense on Monday? Uh, you know, what, what, what practical takeaway can, uh, you know, I like last week, the fellow who is my successor, Travis was talking about the disciplines of daily prayer mm. and he, he did a masterful job and he brought it all down. He said, now just every, every morning, five minutes, five minutes. He just kept saying five minutes. And I know why he was doing it because there are people who are like you, they're going crazy, just getting the kids out the door, everything to get out and about their day. But he said, you can find five minutes. And when you do just be quiet, Mm -hmm. find a scripture, meditate on it. So it was a takeaway that the church could immediately uh, put the church didn't leave feeling like, oh, you have to be, you know, an hour and a half of prayer time every morning, (laughs) holier than that, five (laughs) minutes. So yeah, holier, your, your best five minutes type thing. So, yeah, I, I think that's it. Uh, and then lastly, what do you want the church to know? How do you want the church to feel? And what do you want the church to do? What do you want the church to know? How do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do? That's a good little simple uh, outline that I've used for many years to help me make sure the sermons are not too heavy on just knowing and not feeling, just feeling and not doing, just doing and not knowing. Because you, you'd like all three of those needs to be met. Oh, in a... I love that. Like that helps me even as being yeah. a podcaster and uh-huh. I mean, an amateur writer, you know, well, yeah. in this day and age, we're all writing a little bit. I feel like if you're in this, <laughs> in this medium, but well, so tell me this, what is your earliest memory of scripture? If you can recall that. And you know, how is your experience of God 
through scripture really changed um, over the last 30, 40 years? I think my earliest memory of scripture is my parents raised me going to church. And uh, I recall as a fourth grader memorizing uh, Mark 16, 16. And in that statement that Jesus called on the disciples, it's, it's Mark's version of the Great Commission, you know, to, to go into the world and preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever's not shall be condemned. We, yeah. we memorize that scripture. And I came home to my father uh, after a Wednesday night. We used to go to church on Wednesday nights. And I came home and, and showed him that verse. And I said, Dad, I've never been baptized. And he sat down with me and he said, have you accepted Christ? And we talk, he talked me through it. And I accepted Christ that Wednesday night. And then the next Sunday, uh, he had already made arrangements. And I was baptized at the church service. I was, I was 10 years old. It was on yeah. Valentine's Day, 1965. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, that's, that would be my earliest uh, recollection of really encountering scripture and feeling like it spoke to my heart. Yeah. And so as you've gotten older, and I mean, all of us, just even what's going on in our lives, uh, how we experience God through scripture does change and mature, hopefully. What are some ways that you would say that it's changed, particularly as you've served in ministry and probably taught on the majority of, of what I would say big and little passages along the way? Well, it's important for you to know that uh, though I gave my heart to Christ when I was 10, I spent many years in the prodigal pig pen. Uh, I was a jerk. I was a jerk uh, in my latter part of my high school years and the first part of my college years. Mm. I became a heavy drinker. I was disrespectful of women. I was very self-centered, very, very self-centered. I was all about self-promotion. And most of all, I was a hypocrite because Mm. I would go to church on Sunday uh, acting and talking like I was a good person, knowing that I'd gotten drunk the night before I'd done other Mm. things the night before. So I was a, I was the worst kind of Christian. Absolutely. I was the kind of Christian that keeps other people from becoming Christians. And so uh, when I was, uh, uh, my dad sent me, uh, you keep hearing me refer to my dad because he was really instrumental in my life. He, I wanted to, I grew up in Texas. So I wanted to go either to Texas Tech or University of Texas, because where all my buddies were going. My dad knew if I went to those places, I would, he knew what I was, how I was living he knew I needed to go somewhere else. And he offered for me to, if he, he said, I'll pay the tuition. If you'll go to Abilene Christian university, it's a small liberal arts college in West Mm -hmm. Texas. Well, I'm dumb, but not stupid. And when he (laughs) said that he would pay the tuition, I perked up and uh, off I went to Abilene Christian and they have daily chapel and they have three times a week Bible classes required. And that's what began to change me in those mm-hmm. interactions with worship, those interactions with scripture. And so toward the end of my sophomore year, I was back at church at that point, And a, a preacher uh, presented the gospel in a sermon on a Wednesday night. And uh, I can tell you where I was seated. I can tell you where, what the uh-huh. row looked like, the aisle looked like. I, I, I was the first one down the aisle. I knelt at the, on the steps. And I said, I'm coming home. The question of, for me was not, is there a God? The question for me was, could a God forgive a jerk like me? Mm. And, 
And so John 3.16 was the passage that caught my heart. Whoever mm-hmm. believes in him shall not perish. Whoever believes, whoever believes. Well, I thought I'm a whoever. I'm a whoever. I qualify. Yes. And so uh, that, that scripture changed my life. Wow. If you're listening to Grace Enough, I have a feeling you have a desire to memorize scripture. Me too. But I struggled with daily practice until I discovered Dwell Differently. Dwell helps you memorize one Bible verse each month by taking the first letter of every word in a verse, stringing them together in a cool design, and providing the design as a temporary tattoo, on a key tag, and on a 4x5 card. Everywhere you go, you're reminded of the verse you're memorizing. Last month, the middle school small group I co-lead applied the 2 Corinthians 416 tattoo to our forearms. We spent time memorizing it, and at the end of our next gathering, one of the girls, Kaya, came up to me and said, I memorized 2 Corinthians 416, and went on to recite the verse. How awesome is that? The best part is people are always asking what your tattoo means. It's an easy way to share your faith and memorize scripture alone, with friends, or with family of all ages. Every month, you get a kit in the mail. And if you set up an individual or family membership between now and March 31st, 2022, you will receive 25% off your first month. Just use the code GRACEENOUGH at checkout. And if you want to dig a little deeper, follow Dwell Differently on Instagram at Dwell Differently, where they provide devotionals for each month's verse. Begin memorizing scripture today with help from Dwell Differently. Visit dwelldifferently.com to receive your kit today. That's something that we're really, the biggest part of this conversation is that you are re-releasing your book, 316 Numbers of Hope. What made you want to kind of do an updated version Mm -hmm. of this and release it right now? Mm -hmm. A couple of answers to that question. Thank you for asking that. We first, I first released that book in 2007. Mm -hmm. We are releasing it now because I think every so often the church needs to restate the message, the core message, not that I'm speaking on behalf of the church, please forgive me. I'm not in that position, but I do believe we need to, as pastors, be careful that we are clear. Here's the, here's the big message of the church. And I think John 3.16 says that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that in the last three or four or five years, the church could be accused of having a political message or a social agenda message, uh, a, a, a divisive type message. Uh, I, I know people who have told me, well, I think Christian, I think you're of this polit- certain political party. And I, I kind of cringe at that, uh, Amber, because mm-hmm. our message is so far higher, so far higher than that. Mm-hmm. And so 316 is a passage that summarizes the Christian hope. We believe 
God loves the world. He loves everybody so much that he gave what we needed, not just what we want, but what we need. He gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. And if we just simply believe in him, then we, we will spend forever with him. We'll have eternal life and we won't be separated from him forever. So there it is. I mean, there's the nutshell. There's the gospel in miniature. So I, I just, we discussed the idea of releasing the, re-releasing the book. I said, yeah, I think it would be a good way to just, I don't know, talk, get it in the conversation uh, Again, some more. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because it is a verse that, I mean, my kids know the verse, that it's really easy even for me to recite it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um to almost forget really what's packed in to that verse. Mm-hmm. And then even when you read before and after, mm-hmm. it it becomes even richer. And so mm-hmm. I know that you are releasing a Bible study with it this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can one expect from that? Yeah, we have an online Bible study and it's absolutely free. And it uh, is built around John 3.16. A person can order the book if they want, but if they don't want the book, they can Mm. still be a part of the Bible study and get free uh, downloadable videos and free downloadable uh, Bible studies, printouts, uh, PDFs that they can use. We're we're asking the Lord to give us 316,000 people uh, to study 316. Uh, They can sign up at maxlocato.com. We begin on March the 27th and go right up five weeks, go right up to Easter. Yeah, so I, th- I think it'll be a, a, a fun study, an important study for and us. And that's perfect timing for yeah. sure, leading us yeah. into Easter, a little Lent study almost. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, so let's do a couple of questions here before we close out. And one of them being like, when did you know you wanted to be a writer? And how does that writing work with your call to be a pastor? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've never known if I'm a writer who preaches or a preacher who writes. I've never quite figured that out. So I hope I don't ever have to choose. Um, I don't think you will. Uh, yeah, <laughs> We're I, all I, very I'm, grateful for your work. I, I'm at the end of it now. Yeah, I uh, when I first came to the church in 1988, in fact, even in the interview, I told the leaders of the church, the elders, I said, I, I've written three books. I want to keep writing while I'm here. Is that okay with you? And they gave it a huge thumbs up. They said, yes, yes. And so uh, I uh, immediately felt the green light to do that. And also, Amber, after I'd been here a couple of years, I I thought I was really making a lot. If I can be quite frank with you, I was making a lot of money on royalties, more than I was making on the church salary. And so I said, you know, I'm not going to take the church salary anymore. And that way I won't feel obligated to do uh, I won't feel uh, guilty is a bit heavy of a word, but uh, I I've, I've sometimes would feel I would take two or three days a week just to write. So I wouldn't go to the hospital. Gotcha. I wouldn't counsel. I wouldn't. do So things that I would typically do, I felt better about not doing, if that makes yeah. sense. So we kind of restructured our arrangement and uh, I just became like a, a very active member, but yeah. I wasn't on the church payroll. And so that also helped. It kind of freed okay. me up to, to write. And uh, it, that's been our relationship all these many, many years. And See, so that's uh, great to know, right? Because yeah. I think a lot of people have that desire to write. But it's true. If you're in a full-time pastor role, you're wearing a lot of different hats that go yeah. so much farther than just teaching. 
No doubt about that. And that way they could take the, that salary and hire. I think in that case, we hired our first administrator. Mm. You know, we were a smaller church at the time. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it just made it made sense. It was absolutely no sacrifice on my part. I want to be really clear. No mm. sacrifice at all. But it, but it helped me have a healthy relationship with the church. Oh. In that way. They didn't resent that way that I was using church time to, to write. Oh, wow. I love that. I love to know that too. I mean, it because especially nowadays, I think sometimes we can watch on social media, like it seems like somebody is doing everything. And I'm always quick to point out to people and friends who are saying that I'm like, you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. You have no idea the amount of help they have or right. they're gifted. Right. There's so many or, things. There's a unique relationship with the yeah. church. Now, yeah. you, and, and I think it's important to point out you, you've got three children at home. You're very busy. We raised three children. Mm -hmm. And I recall that there was a season in life where I said, okay, I can't travel. I just can't. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot. So I did not accept any speaking invitation for about 10 years. Wow. And that surprises people uh, because you think to be a successful writer, you got to be out hitting the circuit, you know, uh, uh, shaking hands, meeting people, speaking right. at conferences. And uh, I just felt led to stay home with my kids and, and love the church. And did you know, and during those years is when my books really took off. Wow. It's just the craziest thing. And so I just, I say that to say, know what chapter you're in, mm. know what chapter you're in. And I realized that I've got three children for whom I'm uh, spiritually responsible. I was the head of the household. I did occasional speaking gigs, one-offs, but nothing like I did for the first three or four years. The first three or four years, I don't know how much more time we have. Someday You're I'd great. love to tell you the story of how I drove my wife into depression. Oh. Uh, she had, she battled depression because all she saw was the backside of her husband walking out the door. And I remember one time calling her from Dallas, Texas, all excited because I just been, I was on a speaking gig. I got another invitation. I called her and I said, honey, I got this invitation to go on this tour with this musical guy. And we're going to hit seven cities in two weeks. And I thought she'd be so happy. And Amber, she started to cry. Oh, wow. She came undone. She had one baby, one child in diapers, two just out of diapers, and she just came undone. And by the and time, and so what I, was your response? Duh. But I mean, you did say like, "I can't do this." That's that's what triggered my decision to to not travel. That oh. that moment, uh, she was depressed, and uh, and she. This is part of her testimony. I'm not saying anything <laughs> uh, that she's not shared. Uh, she we went. We found a doctor. Mm -hmm. who a clinical psychologist and uh, with the help of medication, mm -hmm. with the help of a more attentive husband, with the help of some good rest. But we had kids, I think six, four and two. Uh, it was just everybody was tearing at her. And also she was a pastor's wife mm -hmm. and it was rough. It was hard. And so uh, I said, man, I'm not I'm not being the kind of husband I'm supposed to be. So we did a major reset and, and, uh, she, uh, she rallied, she got the Lord healed her. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because for any man or woman listening right now, like it's so easy to think you got to just keep grinding and clawing to the top and, yeah. you know, because you're going to miss the boat, you're going to, yeah. you know, do all of the things. And it's like, 
no, we got to pay attention to the still small is. voice. There it because is. Because I, depression is a part of my story. And okay. my husband wasn't on the road all the time, but I remember having little babies and just thinking, yeah, you can't go and do the networking after yeah. work today because I'm drowning at home. Yeah, yeah. And what so, do we call it? Fear of missing out? Is that yeah, it? Yeah, the, FOMO. You know, FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think we all struggle with some of that. I do too. I do too. Well, let's close with this. Another question from my friend Josh that I just loved. If you had one of your books that outlasted all the others, the rest were gone, which one would you like to outlast you and why? There's a children's book. You made reference to it called You Are Special. <gasps> And it's just a simple story of a wood, you know, wood carver who, who created a village of wooden people and they gave each other stars and dots all the time. Mm -hmm. Stars if you're good, dots if you're bad, and Punchinello is this poor little wooden person who gets dots all the time. I just, I just love that story. I think it really captures our society. And I love it also because it, it goes all over the world. It's in literally, uh, it's just so many languages. I cannot keep up with it because it's a, it really crosses cultural lines well. So I, I love the idea that that story is going to be still around long after this old boy is gone. I can't tell you how glad I am that that's what you chose because it's such a special book in our family and uh, it resonates so deeply with me as an adult. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your time, Max. Hey, you're great at this. Thank you. You are. You I, are. Good I job. I so appreciate that. I'm going to keep that in the episode. Just so, no. <laughs> Please do. I feel like all we've done is just have a cup of coffee together. That's awesome. Well, Max, I really do appreciate um, the legacy that you're leaving as you keep writing, but as we've had decades of your work, and I know um, that God has just used you in ways that you'll never see. So thank you. Thank your friend Josh for the good questions. And thank you, Amber. It's a great honor. Of all his books, I was honestly surprised when Max chose You Are Special. Its message is as much for adults as it is for children. You can find it linked at graceenoughpodcast.com slash Max Lucado, along with all of the other resources mentioned today. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.